who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin! They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. Two thousand year old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves! But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I see a werewolf? Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something down there is killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. Soon the creatures of the night shall rule the world. Real monsters? Us? Midnight in the world, remember? By midnight, you they won't seem so young anymore. Monster Squad. Wolfman's gone. You know, if I'm just gonna say that if if we were making a movie of my life per se, it, it would it would probably be done in the style of a Monster Squad. Like there would have to be like a team of people with me. There would be a a you know a hot '80s montage. It would it would reflect the a Monster Squad. I think I think really well, and I would need both of you to participate in that. In that reenactment, I'm, I, I'd love to have a part in that reenactment. Sure, we'll have to make a uh, Recon Cinema Studios. We'll have to make that one of its next productions. Is uh, the John Diner life story told in the style of the Monster Squad? All right. Sounds good. Perfect. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back to another episode of Reconcinimation. I am John Diner, and I'm David Munchak, and I'm Brent Hutchins. And now we are back, and it is. It is that time of year. It's definitely David's favorite time of year. It sure is, is the Halloween. <laughs> it is the Halloween season, and we've got a a fun lineup for for this year. And uh, as uh, you guys probably heard last episode, we took a look back at Fred Decker and Shane Black's Night of the Creeps. And you know what? This week we're just gonna stick with those guys and do their very next movie, The Monster Squad. What do you guys think about that? Uh, All right. Yeah, I mean, let's let's do the whole library. So, David, are you saying you want to just cover the Fred Decker, Shane Black, the entire, you know, their entire body of work together? Is that what you're saying? I do. I do. How many is that? It's uh, it's it's too many. It's too many. Oh, is it? Is it, though? Or is it or is (laughs) it just three, including the Predator, which I think you guys already did? Well, we did. That's what I was going to say. It's it's uh, we can't do it because we're going to just about finish it now. So perfect. This is great. So I mean, I could, it's like 
it's like getting something done and then writing it on your to-do list and then crossing it off <laughs> all within one minute yeah like oh i just scrubbed yeah. the floors <laughs> let me put it on the to-do list now i'm gonna, sc- <laughs> I'm gonna cross it off done <laughs> our- now we could cover uh, uh fred decker's robocop 3 down the road because that's an adventure in and amongst itself so i'm in i'm, in. I'm up for that yeah yeah absolutely that's the one uh, he did yeah. with Frank Miller, right? Uh, yes. I, yeah, that's that one. It's the really weird one. The one that is not like the others, let's just say. I don't think I've seen RoboCop 3. Many haven't, my friend. Many haven't. Mm. I don't think I have either, but for some reason I just feel like I want to say Robot Ninjas. But I don't know if that's right or not. Ooh. I yeah, it's it's um it's definitely worth watching because it's so like just different, especially from the first one. But um, I haven't seen it in forever. I, I barely remember it. I just remember the, its reputation and and bits and pieces of it. But uh, yeah, I think it was Fred Decker kind of having fun a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so Monster Squad, what a. Uh, we're going to dive into it and talk about, you know, obviously how it how it holds up today. But uh, which is, by the way, if you're if you're a first time listener, this is what we do on this show. We take a look back at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s and 90s. And we we break it down and look at what holds up today, what doesn't hold up today and kind of a little bit about the making of the movie. So, um, Brent, what was uh, do you remember the first time you saw Monster Squad? I knew you were going to ask this question, and mm-hmm. I've been trying to I've been trying to think about it. Been trying to remember, because as you know, uh, since we went to college together, most of my uh, uh, long term memory was obliterated during those years. <laughs> but I am pretty positive I saw it either at one of two theaters that were like the main theaters that we would go to when I was a kid in the eighties. It was either uh, the the Westwood Mall or Lowe's Cineplex Seven, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it was Lowe's. Uh, and uh, you know, we would go to those two theaters. Those were like exclusive, the two exclusive theaters that we would uh, end up going to when we would go see movies. So it had to be one of those two, uh, and I'm pretty positive it was Lowe's. So you saw it in the actual movie theater. Hundred percent. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Nice. Nice. Lucky Good you. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, David? Um, I don't remember the very first time I saw it. I feel like this was a, uh, something on TV a lot when I was like eight years old, nine years old. Um, on cable, probably, or, or Saturday afternoon movies, things like that. Couldn't mm-hmm. tell you. Couldn't tell you the first time. Um, but I know I've seen it multiple times uh, over the over the course of you know those those couple of years. Because uh, it's like kids getting into adventures, you know. Yeah, I'm a kid. I love adventures. Yeah. This is yeah. great. Uh, big, uh, big, was, yeah. big thing of the '80s. Yeah, it was yeah it was 80s. definitely riding on those, on those, on those. You know, same similar movies as like, uh, you know, Goonies and Explorers and Stand by Me. Like, kind of all those kids coming of age group group flicks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where do you where? So, okay. So speaking of all those movies, where do you guys think that this, you know, where does this one rank amongst that group? I mean, you've got, yeah, like you said, some really high profile movies. You've got 
Goonies and Gremlins, which are Spielberg projects, and you've got Stand By Me. I mean, there's a, the, the Lost Boys. Like, there's a whole, uh, you know, we covered last Halloween, we covered Silver Bullet, uh, which I, I put in that group. But uh, what do you guys think? Where does this one rank amongst that, that tier of movies? David, um, do you want to go first? Sure. I mean, for me, boy, this one, if, if there's like a, uh, a spectrum, let's say, of these films where, you know, everything sort of has its own little place. You know, this is very much, this is like, this is down in the silver bullet area. And for me, that means down in like a a certain level of like universal (laughs) quality, you know, um, David, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Okay. About silver bullet, especially you're just wrong. Well, it's closer to silver. Let's say this. If silver bullet was on one end and Goonies was on the other, let's say, this is much, mm-hmm. much, much closer to Silver Bullet than the Goonies. Um, mm-hmm. Or I guess maybe, yeah. let's I, say if Monster Squad was on and Goonies was on the other, Silver Bullet would be closer to Monster Squad, but not that, not as extreme in the other direction. Uh, you know what I mean? It'd be, okay. Right. So I, Silver Bullet would be I, closer to Goonies than Monster Squad would be closer to Goonies. Let's say that. Okay. For yeah, me. And I'll so so for me, I would agree with what David's saying in a little bit as as far as like this is definitely not in the upper echelon of those of those films, but like for me, certainly it still lives within that group from like a nostalgia standpoint, and like when I look back at the movies that definitely I enjoyed as a child and helped mold like my interest in films like this one lives in that same group but it's as a mm-hmm. overall film experience it's certainly not as well put together as some of those other movies and it doesn't have the kind of timeless quality that a number of those movies do uh but it's still it's still very much uh sits in, in like on the playing field of of all those films uh from from like uh you know like a molding me into a uh film geek kind of kind mm-hmm. of way yeah I, I i agree i mean this is this is uh definitely locked into the 80s with who a lot of that dialogue that uh we're going to talk to uh, talk about in a little bit but um i you know i i this was a movie that my my dad used to bring home on his on his way home from work on uh, every Friday night he would stop at the video store which would be Movies One or Camel Video and would pick up a movie and surprise us that we would we would watch that night and this was one of those movies I mean it was like uh, you know Big Trouble in Little China Pee Wee's Big Adventure Beetlejuice like a lot of that era of movies you know mid right in the mid eighties there. Yeah, uh, and this was one of those, and I, you know, I loved it when it came out, and I think I was, I think, well, I have a, David, you know this, I have a thing about werewolves, so yeah. I think the, <laughs> the werewolf thing, because this was right around, you know, when I was getting into that fear of werewolves, um, so I think that character really kind of got under my skin in this one, but uh, looking back on it, it's you know, I'm you, fine I'm now, sorry. guys. Everyone's, I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm new to this information, but you had a fear of werewolves. Uh, or a fear yeah, of just like big hairy men. <laughs> no, I'm okay with big hairy men. That's fine, even encouraged. But um, <laughs> the <laughs> the a, a werewolf, a fear of werewolves grew uh, in around around 1987. Um, 
There was a television show called Werewolf that aired on the Fox Network that uh, was the pilot was amazing. I've made David watch it. We're, at some point, we're going to cover it on this show. Uh, it starred Chuck Connors, was very frightening, and uh, I've been afraid of werewolves ever since. I'll admit it. It's it's I'm okay with it. Okay. I'm uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, okay, well then, then you're gonna come. Over. We're gonna screen it at Recon Cinema Studios in theater number three. Uh, we will, we will get a group together and watch it. That's my uh, favorite of I'll, the of of the fifteen theaters we have. Three is my favorite. I'll get started. Three is a on good the, one. It was. <laughs> yeah. I'll get started on the licensing paperwork so we can show it in our theater. Uh, every time you do that, it's, it's a lot of paperwork for me. Every time you yeah, say I like you to want dig difficult, <laughs> yeah, difficult private the, screenings. Taking the hit on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, horror movies in the in the eighties. God, there are countless horror films of that. I mean, that was such a major genre that had just exploded. And you know, we've talked about it on other other episodes uh, that you can listen to in the archives at www.reconcinemation.com but horror has really changed greatly over over periods of time i mean starting out in the 30s with the universal horror movies which obviously play a, a major role into this film and then the kind of slow right. you know dwindling away of the horror genre through the 50s and 60s and then of course with with uh halloween especially you know really bringing that back in the late 70s and then the 80s just kind of all followed in Halloween's footsteps and some were successful which uh you know we covered a lot of this on our Friday the 13th episodes um but uh and and many weren't and uh and this was this was always an interesting movie to me because it really was another genre blending thing you had going on here of of Horror, action, comedy, I guess a smidge of sci-fi in here a little bit with the time, you know, kind of I guess time just, traveling thing that's going on. I guess you put it as fantasy really more than a sci-fi, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same but, idea, um, sci-fi fantasy, yeah. Yeah, and 1987 is another like huge year for horror movies. I mean, it seemed like every year in the 80s has like your your horror staples coming out, but but this is a big one, but also you know, a year of like we're we're getting into sequels for a lot of these movies. So, you know, you've got you know, some of your sequels, you've got <clears throat> Evil Dead 2 coming out, you've got Nightmare on Elm Street 3, you've got uh The Howling 3, but then you've also got Oh, you've also got House 2, but then you've got original movies uh, coming out like Hellraiser and The Gate and Lost Boys, Prince of Darkness and and Predator, uh, which was a, a year one topic that we, we talked about way back in, in year one of Reconcinimation. Um, you know, so it's a lot of heavy competition for a movie like this. Yeah, right. but this one is shooting for a, maybe a, a broader audience, I think. I mean, putting a bunch of children up against the Universal Monsters with like a bit of zaniness to it is uh, quite, yeah, like because it's bending the genres a little bit. I mean, I think like this was either going to be like a fantastic like explosion or an utter failure. Yeah, well, yeah. And go ahead, Brent. Well, I mean, what? so what do you guys think the purpose, like, what do you think? 
So back when they decided to make this movie, do you feel like they were trying to to grab some of that audience that was from some of those movies that we talked about earlier, like Goonies and Stand By Me, like that kind of demographic? Or do you think that it was meant to be something that grabbed the horror demographic? I mean, because I don't really look at this movie much as, although it uses several of the old horror uh, uh, monsters from from the Universal movies back in the day. Like, I don't really look at this as like a horror movie so much. Yeah, I it, it's the, that's what I mean. It's it's interesting how this is this is such a blend. I think I've always viewed it more of a comedy even uh, than anything else. With you know that is related that that kind of falls into the horror world, but um, or at least you know I always saw it that way as a kid. Now I see a little bit of more of the horror angle but um i don't and also like do you think it do you think this is a movie that was really made for kids or was it movie a movie that was made for adults that had kids in it or or was it both because the horror like the monsters they used like my my mother was a huge horror fan but the ones that she used to love at the time were you know obviously the the they were the universal horror horror monsters so maybe they decided to go with those monsters to grab the kind of like the nostalgic uh parent crowd and then the kids to grab the the younger demographic the kids who were fans of goonies and and the explorers and and movies like that yeah i mean there's certainly like yeah there's room for fantasy films for kids that you know like with your goonies and like your never-ending stories and I don't know. Flight of the Navigator is that that's is that one of them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like this was like okay, well let's let's try to do that but then like let's use not, not that it's like IP, but it's 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 these are monsters everyone was like universally uh, familiar with, pun intended. So uh it was <laughs> kind of like I think it was like a kind of a an attempt at like a two two quad demographic <laughs> film, <laughs> you know. So like right. that, so like a, a movie like adults could bring their kids too, maybe because it'd be like a kid it's like it's basically a kid's adventure movie um and then you know you get to see these monsters like walking around and doing crap uh but at a at a 79 minute runtime i don't know if this was a much bigger movie and then they just cut out a bunch of crap uh a bunch of stuff to like streamline it or what or if it really was this just like quick tight thing it, it i don't know yeah, I, I think that they were going after, I, I think the intention was to go after all of the audience, to go after everybody, adults and kids, like you guys were saying, that, you know, the the because the business had moved totally away from the Dracula, Frankenstein monster, the Wolfman, like the, the universal horror characters, which, you know, basically on a grand scale started the horror genre in the 30s you know, had really been played out by, by the fifties and, and those characters just kind of almost entirely went away. Uh, the only time you would see them was with the hammer horror films, which are excellent. The, the British hammer, uh, uh, you know, film company that remade all those movies and I think made them, you know, excellently. Um, they're, they're really fantastic if you haven't seen them, but uh, so those characters had been really washed away, and and that was a way to bring back the adults into the who grew up with those characters back to the theater. And yeah, that they I think the goal was to bring their kids 
to so it's really a movie for everybody. And the funny thing was they got nobody. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, nobody went. Yeah. This did way. did uh, was it not very well received when it when it was released? No, no. Uh, they they went for everybody and they got nobody. Oh, that's crazy. I remember loving it as a kid, so I figured everybody else did too. Oh wow. Well, Can it's you... it's a movie that that really like it did pick up steam on home video, but we'll talk about that kind of towards the end as we as we get through it. Yeah. But, um, how do you guys feel about the Shane Black, Fred Decker, uh, you know, team? Uh, you know, we look back again. We, we look back at them on Night of the Creeps on our last episode. But, uh, you know, they would work together on, you know, some of Shane Black's things like Lethal Weapon. And, and Shane wrote, you know, did an unofficial rewrite of, of Predator. And obviously would go on to the, lethal, the first two Lethal Weapon movies. But... Um, yeah. And then come back for the Predator. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at, well, when you look at the f- full body of work that they've done, like that they've that they've worked together on, I mean, th- they definitely hit on many different points of of nostalgia for me. Uh, you know, I, like I like I've said, I I enjoyed Monster Squad. I think Lethal Weapon's great. Uh, you know, Night of the Creeps is fun and. And so, you know, for me, like just just like going through and looking at at some of the stuff that they've worked on together, you know, I think it was pretty successful, uh, although like never really anything like I don't feel like like if I hadn't looked at the stuff that they had done together uh, over the past couple podcasts, like I don't know that I ever really would have put together that they were actually like a a team that that had done so many things together, you know, like you don't hear yeah. about that yeah. partnership a whole lot, you know, but. But when yeah. you look at it and, and you see it on IMDb and you're taking a look at everything and you're like, wow, these guys really did do a lot of stuff that whether it's good or not, like for one reason or another, uh, it resonates with me at at certain points in my life, you know. And so, like, um, I, I think that it's actually uh, a pretty solid pairing. But but again, not, like not one that you really like. It's not one that that you talk about at home with everybody that that people get. you know? Right. Yeah, it's not a household like you know team that you, that that you when you when you're at home talking about director writer combos you know this isn't one of those that you talk about every night. Right. Did Fred Decker work on Iron Man three or was that just Shane Black? I think that's just Shane Black. That's yeah, just I, think, I thought, but I yeah I thought Fred did I thought maybe he did some unofficial like script work on it with him because I've. I feel like they had talked about like that movie in particular in in recent years. So yeah, yeah I mean, it could have been like un, un, uncredited. I didn't see anything uh, where it was like on his on his credits list. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, obviously they never uh, stopped being in touch since you know they have just been doing. They had just done the Predator together most recently. Right. Like obviously, it's it's very. Uh, easy to believe that they could have they could have done some stuff together there on on Iron Man three and just not he he just didn't get any credit like uh, right, official credit right. for it. Yeah, yeah, I think he's kind of like kind of comes with the Shane Black package, but doesn't um, you know Fred Decker's career really went off off track after RoboCop three was such a was such a disaster because he had been doing. I think he did some Tales from the Crypt episodes and was a producer on that. And 
um, it was it all went off off the rails after that after Robocop three. So I think he went back to kind of unofficially working with Shane on the side. But you know, don't yeah. don't hold me to that. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like his career had a pretty solid like promising trajectory until Ro- Robocop three for sure. I mean, at least if you're fo- like you know, like he wrote House, which, you know, I I don't know how many people remember House, but that is another one of those movies from my childhood where I'm just like, man, that movie's brilliant. And so when I realized that he was one of the writers on that, like, you know, I mean, I think I think Fred Decker a lot was, was very much like kind of intertwined for me in a lot of the movies that I really, I mean, of course I enjoy hundreds and hundreds of movies from that time frame, but, but uh, you know, like a lot of them really kind of hit hard. House is great. I love House. House was one of my first favorite like horror movies. Yeah. And I guess the first thing, I guess his first gig, uh, something I read, I you know, his first gig was writing uh like a Godzilla uh spec script uh, for for Steve Miner, who we mm-hmm. all know from uh, Friday the yep. 13th fame. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah. 2 you know, and like, 3. Th- th- yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, he's woven into the fabric of a lot of those uh earlier podcasts and and a lot of those movies from from that era yeah i mean there's a whole they're really between shane and fred they're both just cranking out scripts and and some of which went into you know became big big movies but it's all within that like 85 to 88 time period so they're you know at the time they're probably one of the top you know hot prospects of that uh of that time period yeah, because it wasn't until what Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that Shane Black actually started directing, right? Like that was was that Correct. his first yeah. first movie, and so yeah, obviously was, his yep his introduction to Robert Downey Jr. So probably how he got into Iron Man three and all that. But it's mm-hmm. it's you know like I mean I don't I, obviously this isn't a podcast to talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but I think that's a pretty impressive first entry into the directing. Uh, into your directing debut, you know? Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. David, have you, have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah, I loved it. I'd see, and I haven't actually I hadn't seen it since it came out. So I've actually been, it's like on the list of like, oh, I gotta, I gotta see that again because I really, really liked it. Yeah, it's strong. Yeah, I saw that that movie. I saw very casually. It was like one of those days that I had nothing to do and. Felt like going to the movies, and that was just what I randomly picked, and I loved it. I, I was it was such a fun time. Oh yeah, it's a great yeah. Time I don't think I saw it until college, and I think it was a. I think maybe you and Jared and Jeremiah had recommended it, and that's why I was like, "Oh, I'll check this out." But I didn't see it in the yeah. theater. Yeah, and then uh, the Nice Guys is also fantastic. If you haven't seen that, yeah, that's oh, great. I've been meaning to see the Nice Guys. That looks great. Yeah, it's you know Shane Black has that fun kind of mix of action and comedy. He does really really well, and those are really strong examples of I, I think him at his best. You know, Lethal Weapon was there was other people involved with that that helped make that such a success. So it's not like just Shane Black's movie. It's Richard Donner. It's Joel Silver. It's you know. I'm sure the cast had some input in that, but we should we should look at Lethal Weapon at some point on this show. Yeah, well, yeah, it, right. ha- it also has that good mix of like action and comedy. You know, I mean, it's a yeah. So, well, the first yeah. one's much more serious 
And then the comedy comes in in the second one with Joe well, Pesci. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It certainly, certainly hits when Joe Pesci joins joins the game. For <laughs> yeah. sure. I was gonna say I think the Lethal Weapon series gets better as time goes on. I think it's great when they added Chris Rock. Like, yeah, let's oh, do man. it. It's family fun, crazy, insane choices, but with ninjas and shit. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just remember almost rolling out of my seat watching Lethal Weapon two when Joe Pesci's like, oh. I don't know. There's like a scene where they're uh, he, they're like in the car and he's like talking about he wants to be part of the gang and it's just like yeah. I was cracking up like I was crying laughing so hard at the time and so he's yeah, for sure. He's great in that and well in that whole series and and that was Pesci sort of in his prime too in that 89 to like 92 or 3. Yeah. yeah. But uh, ele- but we digress. That's uh you know. Yeah. Oh totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um so they wrote this script, you know, at the same time they're writing House, they wrote uh, this script as well and pitched it to uh, TriStar ends up make producing the film. And it's interesting that they really walk this fine line with Universal about these characters, about what they can and can't show. I don't, I don't know unless there was some kind of deal made. I don't think you could do this today. I don't think another studio would let you do this. Like... Would you know? Obviously, like you couldn't do that with, you know. Um, let's say I'm trying to think of a studio that Disney doesn't own. So let's say Paramount <laughs> wanted to make a Star Wars movie. Like you couldn't do that. You couldn't use like Darth Vader in a you know without a special agreement. And here, I don't know if they had that because they were they were cautioned about you know a couple of specific things that they could not do, which was. Well, I w- there's there's hold on real quick there's two so i I, tristar had their name on a bunch of shit back then during this time right so like uh, Mm -hmm. i was like you know real genius last dragon silent night deadly night which is a random one but it's in there rambo 2 iron eagle short circuit labyrinth rad like there were all these like great movies that tristar had like been attached to i think they were just kind of like pumping movies out so like i don't know if there was a a thing where Universal was like, oh well, maybe, maybe this will help pump up, pump up some of our some of our older movies or whatever. You know? Our library, yeah, yeah, and so we'll let them get away with it. Uh, and then just to talk to the point a little bit. So more recently, you brought up Disney and like Paramount, but Disney did do something kind of similar to to this with Spider Man, right? And Sony. So like, but allowing- they they did have a yeah. They they did have a deal though where you know there was there was well I guess that's not true because Sony had the rights to Spider Man before right. Disney bought Marvel so it was kind of a pre existing condition we'll say yeah so it's almost as if Sony gave Disney the right to use Spider Man in their in their right. new you know like their Marvel universe that's, which benefited that's exactly them you know and then yeah, yeah so so I mean it's. You know, maybe uh, like obviously this is completely different, but I just kind of wanted to say, you know, like that's kind of a more recent time where maybe something like this did yeah, happen, true. and and maybe it could be it could be the same thing that Universal was looking at when TriStar said they wanted to do this movie. Yeah, but the the the, the funny thing is, all the characters these things are based on are public domain, but the iconic like things about them were designed by Universal, so it's like. You could do a Frankenstein movie, but you can't do anything that you've seen in the movies, which the book of Frankenstein doesn't have like a lot of the iconic things we attach to 
the look of the monster mm. and and the origin story mm-hmm, right. in terms of like i think i think like how he was actually brought to life with the lightning or something or so there's like v- things that we associate yeah. with the characters and the look of those characters that that are basically part of the universal i guess you know copyright whatever whatever that might be so two of the things they definitely had to stay away from that they were told they couldn't use was was frank the frankenstein monster's head you know that specific block you know head shape with the bolts coming out of it uh Mm -hmm. they had to change his look so he couldn't look exactly like that and then the creature from the black lagoon of all things which I want to talk about that character and why the hell he's in this movie. But, uh, you know, there was they couldn't call him the creature from the back, Black Lagoon, so he's called the Gill Man, if you look in the credits. And I don't know if they actually say it in the movie or not, but um, you and, say it and all the, like, posters. Yeah. I think it's, I'll do that. It's, the little, yeah. it's Finn Man. What do they call him? I think they call him Finn Man, the, not Gill Man. Finn do they Man. Call him? Okay. Like Finn? I thought it was Gill Man. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm it's pretty. Man. Yeah. No, you're right. I th- yeah. I don't know why I came up with that. And the little kid uh, the drugs at probably the edge, the edge drugs. of the water doesn't doesn't call him the creature at any point during that scene. No, they call him Frankenstein. Uh yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, the <clears throat> yeah, it's weird. But like Dracula looks and acts exactly, or not exactly, but pretty close to the Bela Lugosi inspired look. But they got away with that one. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the Wolfman is just... The Wolfman I, I was, you know, I think a new interpretation of it anyway. So, Did you did you mean the girl by the water with Frankenstein? Or did you mean the girl with the water by the Gillman, uh, Brent? Oh, yeah, no. So, you know, there's the scene where the kids are all standing by the water and it's at night. They're, like, trying to figure out... Oh. They're trying yeah. to figure... You know, like, figure out how to you know defeat the monsters and at one point the the creature or the gill man or fin man comes out of the water and the little kid sees him and i could have swore that he called him the creature at one point in that scene but but i can't you're right the little kid goes creature ate my twinkie which that which yeah creature ate my twinkie oh yeah that's the iconic line that's one of the few iconic lines of this movie is creature ate my twinkie but later they reference Gilman like when they were all going to the town square or some something like one of the kids said oh and then there's Gilman or I don't know it's definitely said though yeah right well they probably okay. couldn't, couldn't what they probably well. couldn't what they couldn't use probably is the whole entire term the creature from the black lagoon so if they say creature then they probably tried to come up with their own kind of you know, Gilman is, I don't know, some, maybe they thought it was going to be cool or something. I don't, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't say creature from the Black Lagoon. Right. Got it. Um, well, and then also the scene in the, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbed in this thought that they had to be very careful about, you know, infringing on universal stuff. And then there's, so like, there's this scene where, all the kids are kind of getting to know the monster, right? Like Frankenstein's monster. And right. they hand him a mask, right? Right. Of, yeah. of the, like kind of the monster seeing himself for the first time. Was that, was that mask uh, one of the old universal style Frankenstein masks? 
Yeah, it was pretty close to it. It was seems pretty close. I thought it, they, I thought it was pretty close. But they seem to accentuate the way he actually looks. Like they put the scars uh, on the same spot on his face a little bit. Ah, and it's like it. haircut. Okay. But it would be remin- more mem- reminiscent of like the blocky head that we're used to, for sure. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, maybe off track. Just curious. I couldn't couldn't quite. Remember. No, that's that, that's that's. Uh... Yeah, one of the things I, w- I want to talk about as well. But so yeah, let, so okay, so they they pitched the movie to TriStar. TriStar is very excited about, uh, other than the the legal things they had to maneuver through, they're very excited about making this movie. It's clearly a lot of potential for marketing and you know a toy line and and everything that was starting to happen then with merchandising. I think they were you know really excited and hopeful that it was going to do very well uh they didn't launch you know like a lot of what you see today is they will launch the toys and the video games will all start before the movie is made or before it's at least done being shot once they get a sense of of how it's going to do then they'll already launch that stuff into production but here they were still a little bit you know, wanted to see if the movie would do well, and then they'd get into the mar- you know the real heavy marketing and merchandising of it. So, but they were very hopeful for this one, and I mean, it certainly had the potential. It was, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a really great idea um, as a concept. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a great idea, uh, and it's just the. I think a lot. There's just too many things about the execution that just make it uh, sort of a turnoff for a lot of people in a, in a general audience sense. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about some specifics. So when we, uh, when we rescreened the movie, I was, I, I made some notes as we were, as we were watching it and really kind of broke it down with things that kind of stood out to me in, in the year 2020 of whether or not it, it works or is, is this silly or does this fit? Does this make sense? That maybe worked against the movie. I don't know, but let's, let's talk about it. So the movie opens up in, in the, uh, what, a hundred years previously, it was 1887, I believe. Is that correct? Sure. Right. And you, <laughs> you've got your, you know, opening crawl kind of explaining like what's happening about, uh, you know, the, 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 you know the the gem and the the heart. You know the creatures being existing at that point, and Van Helsing was trying to you know end this curse, and and then they and it says they blew it, which was such a like '80s thing to throw in there. I don't know. It just really like they blew it. Like, and then yeah. then we get into the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little laugh line about this whole like dramatic thing that's happening. Yeah, yeah. It sets that like you look at like the music and the font is very you know definitely setting the tone for a horror movie and then it's kind of like for me like that record scratch moment of like oh no wait is this this is a comedy this isn't a horror movie right yeah well that specific line seems something that's much more like meant for you know like a spaceballs movie than than this movie or or what you yeah. would think this movie is right right uh. So, you know, Van Helsing comes in, they, they you know, he's trying to, he's got a virgin girl there who's reciting this curse that's that opens this portal that is going to send Dracula and all the, you know, all the demons and everything 
to I don't even know where would where do we know where that portal goes? No, no. It's available because I think it's it, the portal from. Go ahead. Veil, isn't it between a veil between dimensions or something? Or I don't know. I don't remember. I yeah. I think I think it's the same portal as Evil Dead too. I was gonna say, it's where oh. all portals go. Yeah, it's a, it's like it's like the 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 you know like a garbage chute to some other yeah, dimension. It's, it's just the other place. Yeah. But it looks like that portal looks exactly like the one from Evil Dead too. Yeah, it does. Uh, and then we so then we cut you know to a hundred years later, nineteen eighty seven, and we get our really traditional. You know the the thing about the way this movie shot, it really looks like a like one of those eighties graphic novels. Like <laughs> like not an eighties uh... graphic novel, but a, a graphic novel like it it. Um, Almost like a Tales from the Crypt kind of come to life. Right. Like the like old TV, comic books. Like a TV movie. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's just got that, you know, we cut to like, you know, perfect small town USA, which was so common a sight in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah. It's like... yeah. Like it's every, definitely. you know, every town USA you'd see in like all the Michael J. Fox movies and, you know, just so many oh, yeah. different things. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's certainly like a like a paint paint by numbers type type uh, yeah. opening. Yeah. Generic. Also known pretty, as Pasadena. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so we see. I noted Jason Hervey in this movie, one of the first uh, one of the first people we see. Oh wait, let me backtrack for a second to the portal. So all those poor innocent people who get sucked into that portal. Doesn't the vir- does the virgin girl like she's like a teenager or something, right? She like, does she yeah, get she sucked into right the portal? In. Head head yeah, first. She's like she's the first, like one, the first one. <laughs> she's like the first one in. That that <laughs> portal just ate the virgin like right up. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, maybe right? I don't know because because Van Helsing comes back at the end of the movie. Like, are they all in another dimension, or are they just trapped there until the portal opens again? Does any time pass? Maybe the maybe the portal from eighteen eighty seven is connected to the portal. Maybe it's just a portal to nineteen eighty seven, and the portal from nineteen eighty seven is just a portal to eighteen eighty seven. It's the same. They know. just go it back happens and forth every between the two. It happens every hundred years. Yeah, right. Every hundred years, I think. And the amulet was There's, supposed um, to destroy yeah. the the monsters for good, but it, they failed the first time, and then it sucked them all up the second time. But did it destroy them? I don't know. Uh, I'm a little unclear. Yeah, I was. I was I was confused about that. Uh, I, I, there's a few things that I was kind of a little bit lost with watching it from with adult eyes this time. Yeah. Like, well, right, what, like how do how do all of them get from 1887 to 1987 when we see them in the in the uh, airplane? Right? Isn't that the first time we see Dracula and, Mo- and Frankenstein's monster in the <clears throat> modern era? Yeah, yeah, they're on a cargo ship. They're on a cargo ship uh, or cargo plane and escape and like conveniently escape exactly where they need to be in Los Angeles. Uh, 
instead of like Romania, where the I think the initial like battle was taking place, or or is it in Transylvania? I don't even know. Um, right. Yeah, I think it's Transylvania. Uh, yeah, and then uh, it was perfectly like a lot of things don't make sense. It doesn't make sense why Dracula has a, a cool car and like a mansion in Los Angeles. Like maybe, but maybe he already he's got a did. hearse car. Yeah, it's a hearse car. It's custom with like a skull thing. It's got like teeth in the grill. Um, so he drives a cool car, well, even though he can turn into a bat <laughs> or well, a yeah. wolf <laughs> or mist. Uh, he's like, yeah. I'm but gonna... if they if they if they failed, does that mean that Dracula's just been, I mean, living amongst everybody for the last hundred years, right? Like, maybe. I maybe I, th- he... I assume so. Yeah. Yeah, I oh. think there's. I think there's... yeah. I I mean I I go ahead, David. There's just there's just a lot of confusion. Like they're like we don't either we don't need to explain this or we cut it out because it's a t- a waste of time. Like I, I'm not sure yeah. exactly the choice here. Yeah, and they don't really get into it. They just kind of skip right over that. And what ha- like how did that portal close? Did did it close? Is that still a thing there? And you know, uh, yeah, Van Van Helsing went into the portal, right? Or we assume he did. He did. We yeah. assume he did. No, yeah. Did we see him go? No, you don't see him. He's like he's holding on, and like you know, you see him kind of screaming, and then that's when we cut to 1987. Ah, right, right. So we don't we know just, what happens so, to the yeah. amulet, the monsters, anything at that point. It doesn't even make sense. Where where did the amulet right. go? Did they? Why wouldn't they? The monsters just destroy it then after they failed, uh, and then yeah, I th- I feel like there was a lot more going on, but I think like. It's got to be like we got to get to the, the kids are the main characters, so we're not going to spend fifteen minutes with the monsters like setting up, setting everything up. Right. I feel like that's right. What right, right. Yeah, that's really just a uh, <clears throat> uh, you know prologue. Yeah. And then it's technically, I believe this is set in. Is it Louisiana? It's not L.A. I mean, it looks like no, L.A. and it. Yeah, it's not L.A. It's like Louisiana, right? Really? Uh, I think. Uh, is that what they said? I think it's. I I yeah, believe it's, it's, yeah. It's not an obvious thing. You have to kind of dig a little bit, but um, I believe it's Louisiana. It's it's it's. Not, I just remember it's not, not L.A. That it seems like it would be, but it's not. Nobody has any accents either, so it's it's a little bit vague. Um, yeah. So then, obviously, we come to the '80s and we start meeting our characters. And God, there is, um, you know, the first one we see is Horace, I believe, and there is. This was like a tough scene to sit through with from a 2020 uh, perspective with Jason Hervey as this school bully picking on. Yeah. 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 The, the language, the language and the bullying just doesn't play at all. Like it just not not in, it would it wouldn't hold up today. It doesn't hold up today with kind of, yeah. you know, audiences and, you know, like the lang Yeah. Some of the language is just <clears throat> unacceptable these days. Obvious people's, uh, you know, like the outlook on bullying these days is is much different than it was in the 80s, you know, where people got like they thought it was like comic relief. Now there's zero tolerance when it comes to bullying people. And so right. uh, or or even depicting it, which rightfully so, like that's nonsense, um, you know, but but uh, yeah, that kind of stuff just doesn't play right now. And it's, you know, thankfully it's really only the first five minutes of the movie, uh, you know, and I don't, you know, rewatching it. I don't recall 
it being something that's like kind of throughout the movie, but it is like kind of a jarring first first uh, few minutes, you know, because of it. Yeah, it's it's and I think it was it was much more common to see this kind of thing in the 80s. And why do I always think that Jason Hervey is like the forever bully of the 80s? I mean, it's obviously Wonder Years because he was but always I think I feel Kevin, like 100%. Yeah. yeah. He was the older brother. He was an annoying older brother. He was a jerk in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure in this movie. Back to school. Like, he was just in got back that... to school for a minute. Oh, right. He's just got kid. that face. Yeah. yeah, he's just kind of a little asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh And yeah, of course the... he's one of those guys that is nothing like that in real life. You know, oh, yeah, so many guys are so good at playing assholes and yeah. totally nice guys in real life. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh yeah. But uh, you know, yeah, back in the '80s in the suburban white neighborhoods, uh, plenty of bullying going on, plenty of tossing, casually tossing, I get around. You know, like that was in the vocabulary without any kind of idea of what that <clears throat> what that meant, or even really, it, it seemed to the people saying it, it seemed very harmless, and it was just a, you know, just a shitty way to, um, you know, pick on somebody. Um, but yeah, a lot of f- oh, yeah. a lot of those f bombs, I think, in the in the film, I I, I don't know, I didn't count. I want to say like at least eight eight or nine times. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, they throw that su- word around a lot. Not surprising with Shane Black uh, writing things. <laughs> Who like as no. I I'd say he's funny, but I'd also just say in general like he's aggressive. Like every like everything he does is aggressive in a sense. Not in a not in mm-hmm, a bad yeah. way, but it's just like there's like a level to everything whether it's the action or the dialogue or the comedy, there's just like an aggressiveness yeah. to it or a, a volatile nature to it all. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I don't know absolutely. anything about Shane, Shane black, uh, or whatever. Well, I guess we did discuss him a little bit, but just, you know, I don't know. That's how his stuff, especially in the eighties comes off for me. That's his style. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's not surprising no, that right. this is his movie. Yeah. I think it's a good way to describe it, describe his writing, you know, aggressive. I think that's spot on. But then we meet, so seeing Jason Hervey as as the bully, then we get to meet the super cool Rudy, played by Ryan Lambert, who's like, to me, he came came across as like a mini Fonzie. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that like super cool, you know, greaser look going on. And was he wearing loafers with white socks? Is, did, is that what I saw? Yeah, I didn't yeah, notice. straight up. Or not? That's, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. wasn't he? Wasn't he? Like, isn't that the com, Tom yeah. Cruise risky business look? Like, yeah, totally. That <laughs> was cool. all all the cool kids. All the cool kids were were pulling that off. He had the black leather jacket <laughs> and was smoking and wrote his the his, strike anywhere match his, off the bottom of the shoe. Yeah, to the, yep. uh, fake. Well, fake that's where you see it. Cigarette. That's where you see the shoe. Yeah. 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 Uh, super cool. Yeah, yeah, I always remembered as a kid like like Rudy. Rudy was was yeah. awesome. Like he was he's he the, was definitely the cool guy. The super cool junior high kid hanging out with the the not so cool elementary school kids. Yeah. So how yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they're yeah. So what is he supposed to be in like eighth grade, and they're in like sixth grade or yeah. fifth grade? I mean, and then younger. Then the, there's the younger kids. So just this weird yeah. like yeah. combination of kids Which, who they all grew up in the same neighborhood, so they all know each other anyway. You know. Uh, yeah. 
Ultimate, ultimately, we find out Rudy just wants to be in the clubhouse so he can look out the window. Right, right. Yeah, that, that was. It, the took, it takes a minute to, to get there, though. Yeah, but like, remember, like how there was all there was always those that group of kids who just loved talking about the Universal monsters in school and just got together and <laughs> talk about the yeah. monsters, quiz each other on like the yeah, most they basic definitely... trivia. All of them. That's every kid every, ever. Every kid knows kids like this. <laughs> yeah. There was a monster squad in every town. Yep, totally. Preparing for the the ultimate battle. Well, and then they get, you know, they, they have their own kind of Friday the 13th references in this movie. Because obviously in reality, kids who are super into horror movies would be talking about Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers and... Uh, you know, along with those characters, um, and but they've got like a—I forgot the name of the movie that that uh, Sean is watching with his dad on the rooftop from the from the drive-in. But there's, um, yeah, it's yeah, what was silly. it called? Something Massacre or something? But uh, definitely like, like Ra- Friday the Thirteenth references. I thought it was like Rabid Rabbit or something like, that. like something something really like yeah, ridiculous. Uh, but then we meet the rest of our uh, of our monster squad characters: Sean, played by Andre Gower, and Patrick, played by Robbie Kiger. And then you you kind of, you see the younger one, which is Phoebe, played by Ashley Bank, and Eugene, right, is the other kid, the one who has, sees the mummy in the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're the monster squad, and. And the meantime, while while they're kind of, you know, forming their group, so Dracula, Dracula is on a. Do we know where this airplane is going? That's transporting him and Frankenstein. No, nothing. We don't know anything. I think right. It's just <laughs> a plane. It's, it's they're just there. It's it never happened. To, it didn't happen again. The thing. The whole thing happened to fall. They they got ejected from the plane at the exact moment they needed to be ejected from the plane. It it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't, I don't right. understand this movie. Well, they're either, they're trying they're tr- well they're they're trying to get to uh, you know the town where the monster squad is to get the amulet. That's the whole purpose. Right. So yeah. I guess that I guess that's their reason. We don't know where they're coming from or why they're on that plane or how they got on that plane, but. Um, that's kind of a fun scene. And of course I love the pilot played by David Proval. Brent, you're very familiar with Richie April from the Sopranos, aren't you? That is correct. Yes, absolutely. Oh, David Proval is a great character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a great character actor who played in a ton of movies. He's in mean streets. He's in uh, relic. He's in a bunch of different things, but, uh, He's. Uh, it was. It was cool to. I forgot he was in this. It was cool to see his his face in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's so much younger in this than I feel like he was in Sopranos. But yeah, he's uh, obviously. Uh, you, as you know, we watched that show quite a bit in college. Numerous, at least. Well, what at the time it was the first three seasons. We watched at least That's three right. or four times. Yeah. 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 So good. Time to watch it again, David. <clears throat> Which one it might be? What movie? The, the Sopranos. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Better late than uh, never. You're... <laughs> Actually, never is fine with me. 
Oh, no, you don't know. <laughs> it's so good. I've seen, well, I've seen like 20 hours of it. I'm good. I've done. <laughs> we know we know David doesn't David doesn't like good things, so he likes to torture himself. So There's plenty of good things out there. I don't need that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. Moving on, though. Uh, let's talk about the actors playing the monsters because they are. It's such a, a you know a very it seems like a very random group of of actors, none of which were big stars at the time. But uh, Tom Noonan as the Frankenstein monster, great choice, great look. Um, are you guys you guys familiar with Tom Noonan? Hmm. Uh, re- think refresh so. my memory. All right, well, the one you would know him from is Manhunter. Oh. Oh. Okay. Right. Yep. Now he's job job yeah, done. He's, well, well done, John. Yeah. <laughs> he's um uh, another great actor, but if you guys haven't seen Manhunter, check it out. We'll we'll definitely be looking at that movie uh coming up maybe next year, but um it's you know, he's a fantastic, very creepy performance as Francis Dollarhide in that. But uh, yeah. yeah, great choice for you know his physical size, and and I think he did a great job as as Frankenstein as the Frankenstein monster. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, John Grease as the Wolfman. Also great. Now he's yeah he's great in this. Is super like very intense. You only see him, you know, in his human form. He's like freaking out about yeah. you know about to turn into or has just come back from being a werewolf and very you know high intensity level especially in the police station oh yeah yeah he yeah he wants to get himself arrested put in jail he's going to hurt people it's the classic syndrome of of the person who would be the wolf man doesn't doesn't want to be the wolf uh knows he's very dangerous and uh he's basically tortured every second of his existence because of it it's very intense. Yeah. Uh, and then Duncan Duncan Rager as Dracula, and I think I do. You know, I've heard this online before, but I do think this is one of the best modern portrayals of Dracula. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he did fine. You guys, where, where do you where do you guys where do you guys think this version of Dracula ranks with all the other ones that we've seen? I mean, there's so many. Uh, I I think it's a very fine performance. He keeps, uh, yeah. I I don't like his costume too much. It's a little <clears> too clean for me, but a little too, a little too yeah. shiny, a little too basic and shiny. Um, but yeah, you know, he's good. He he's good. He's he seems threatening. He seems like he's floating floating through, uh, the the raindrops there. Just yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> He's good. Yeah, I think he's, he's I think he's a good mix of <clears throat> mix of like the traditional Dracula, but you know, especially in that shot at the end of the movie where he kind of screams right in Phoebe's face that I think he can do the the scary uh as well. I think he can hit both ends of it. So, I don't yes. know. I I really like him. I like him as an actor. He was in the, one of the first TV shows I ever saw which was a, an amazing eight episode series in like 1983 called wizards and warriors. Mm-hmm. And he was the villain in that very, you can find it all on YouTube. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. As far as, you know, as far as Dracula's are concerned, I think he's good. 
Uh, I think he's he's fine. Uh, but everybody is like kind of a distant second to to Christopher Lee as far as I'm concerned. So I don't know. I, yeah, I think, that's yeah, I yeah. Think, I think Christopher Lee in the Hammer Dracula is is the one that I always. I mean, even though he's not like maybe the most famous of all of them, because I think you know what is Bella Lugosi gets you know like as the, the original yeah, or whatever, that's but. The, I yep. think Christopher Lee's portrayal of the character is pretty pretty rad. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's uh Christopher Lee would definitely be number 1. But I don't know, I think like this portrayal is more entertaining to me than like Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula and then some of the things we'd see in the 2000s. I I gravitate towards this one. I would say yeah, second second best to uh Christopher Lee in my opinion. Yeah, I kind I kind of like uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. I feel like Leslie Nielsen Ooh. did a great yeah. job as Dracula <laughs> right. in that. That's so, good call. Yeah, that, that plays. That plays. <laughs> um, I, I I think to your point, I think like Dracula as the leader of these monsters, um, Duncan playing the Dracula to be that that force. Uh, it it does kind of work. You can sort of see why they're all uh, grouping up with him to uh, save their own lives with the uh, against the amulet so he's a powerful force. yeah and and he's he's rounding everybody up you know he's rounding these monsters up at the same time that the monster squad is forming um so those are kind of running parallel storylines and and does does dracula have telekinetic powers a little bit and when he pulls uh, the monster's coffin out of the out of whatever body of water that is Either that or Yoda was standing behind him. Maybe that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, he yeah, must, right? So. Like, or, so, or, yeah. or, maybe, maybe the creature was pushing the coffin out of the water. Oh wait, just <laughs> yeah, the creature it. totally did that. Wait, no, didn't the creature do that? Or is that later when he did gets the, the creature? Twinkie? I know the creature oh, comes that's out of the later, water to I get think. the Twinkie, but uh, I don't yeah. know if he. I don't know if he pushed the coffin out. No, because the they... coffin drops into the water, and and then Dracula, you know, comes down out of the plane, and then like pulls the coffin out, you know, the the coffin out of the water with whatever his telekinetic power is that he suddenly has. All right, and then my fav my favorite shot is like the mummy just appears that we find out is broken out of this museum, and then the creature from the or the gill man. Uh, appears out of the water like why where like where did yeah. where did the gill man his whole involvement in this movie seems you know i get yes he's one of the top universal monsters but seemed kind of irrelevant like w- there's no water related things happening here and i don't know just that one felt out of place to me yeah i mean like well i mean had, had we seen him at all other than that one scene like no, he's barely that? in the movie. He's in like two yeah. two scenes, and I think that's it. Yeah, it yeah. seems like not necessary. It's weird. Like it's just like he, that's the thing. Again, I think like there's there's got to be like these origins of like why all these creatures are waking up in the same area of town, and like was the Wolfman was that just a guy? Has, has there always just been generations of wolves, and then he just happens to be the one werewolf, or uh, or is he a, is he a hundred years old too? I mean, I don't know, and then. You know, the Gill Man or the creature from the back of the gloom, like, it may as well be, like, the dude from The Shape of Water. Like, he's just some guy who lives in the sea, right? Or, like, lives in lives in right. the, the water. Yeah. Like, is, is he a monster? Or I mean, 
I mean, he's yeah, he's yeah, a he's a, yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, well, he's a monster. I but, mean, I, you know, he's obviously killing people but, and stuff like that. But I don't know, just a freak. I don't know. I guess in a world freaks, where you're trying to, man. you know, pay your respects to all the kind of like classic iconic monsters, like why not throw in the creature? You know, just to just to have a little, you know, he's making a little cameo. Yeah, it rounds it. Yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I. I get it. I get it. Like that, they're just trying to get the five main monsters there against the monster squad. So, uh, you know, it, there's not a lot of logic put into why or how they got there, but they're there. That's and, and we're moving on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, he stole his Twinkie. Um, exactly. Yeah. So he's uh, not a nice guy. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of interesting uh verbiage in this movie um i just wrote down a few of them real quick uh obviously wolfman's got nards nards classic, is a classic you know, line classic line uh wolf dork all oh, right so yeah. a lot of wolf penis references there right uh you've got jerkoid common you know i call david that all the time mm-hmm. regular <laughs> regular word around off, here off the and, air <laughs> yeah off off the air yeah and behind the back uh, dorked <laughs> uh, i don't oh, say yeah. it to david i say it to what? other people about david <laughs> yeah oh even better so what what was the yeah. last one you just said dorked Dorks. Well, that one, I feel like, I feel that that was used a lot. The other ones, honestly, until this movie, I probably had never heard, but, but dorks, I mean, dork was pretty common, right? I, yeah, was it? I don't know. That's, uh, dork? those were all were, you know, I hadn't heard those in quite some time and I laughed out loud at them. It was very, it was fun. Yeah. Dorks yeah, has I fallen like... out of fashion, uh, for a while, but that was a very that was a big word I used in the eighties, and not, it didn't mean right, right. Like, uh, you know, have you been dorked before? Which I think was the context of the one question. Uh, yeah, I, I never used it in that sense, but I don't know if that's how it was used. It probably was. If, if no, it, you just called all your good buddies dork. You like don't you're dorks? Be, and, come on, dork. dorks and geeks and and nerds. Yeah, and freaks. Yeah, and like total. Yeah, but losers. in this but, reference, it's but, it's. But, is referencing to either like a penis or having sex. Yeah, exactly. Like right. I, n- no one ever said dorking. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like no one ever. That, these guys did. This movie this movie this movie Yeah, this movie was trying to avoid the MPAA in certain ways, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure uh Shane and Fred's original script uh those were not the words in it. No. Um, so how, now here's one thing that maybe I missed, but exactly how does the monster squad realize, refresh my memory. How does the monster squad realize that they're, that the monsters are here and why they're here? Sean, the main kid picked up on it. One certain thing happened. He heard about the museum and then I think. Right. Oh yeah. He, he eavesdropped his dad. Who's like the town you know, cop or like, you know, the yeah, lieutenant. No. Some, because, because Dracula left him a voice message or left him a, a message that his mom wrote on the, oh. on the like chalkboard in the kitchen saying, Hey, this guy wants <laughs> to buy your book. And it was Dracula spelled backwards, right? Like that was the yeah. big, 
Mr. Alley. That was the big hall right. clue. So yeah, yeah. again, yeah. like how did the, so his mom ended up finding the book for him, right? And then and then I had like a garage sale, I think. And somehow Dracula yeah. tracks down that the boy is now in possession of it, not the mom. And then it calls the house to make a deal instead of coming <laughs> right. and murdering him for it. Like yeah. and then right. like is gonna be clever, like he can't come up huh? with Smith. He's like I'll just reverse my name, Alucard. Yeah. Oh. Hey, kid, why don't you sell me that book you got? <laughs> like, oh, I cash? love it. It's just so... <laughs> well, like, this is the kind of thing that I feel oh like... Oh, my God. I guess, I guess the, it's intentionally done this way as, like, a, hey, let's just be silly about this whole thing. But I feel like it's taken so seriously that this that it falls flat. So, it, to me, it's like, this is kind of insulting and and, like, hostile to, like children like we just got to make this the dumbest quickest least painful way to get to the next point in the movie like uh, you know yeah well that's that's where this like the genre mixing doesn't work in this movie it's like you know some of these things there's these leaps in logic that for adults adults are really gonna be like what That, that doesn't make any sense or you know and and you know, that they're gearing it just for kids to just like, don't think about that. Just we're moving on. We're just going, you know, we're moving, yeah. we're moving forward. This is a fast movie. It's, you know, like you said, it's, it's either 79 or 82 minutes, but that's really short. And, uh, it's, it feels very fast. I mean, the pacing of the movie is quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mess around. So like, I don't know. It just keeps yeah, going to from the next moment to moment. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, uh, that's all I'm gonna say about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to start. They, they, so, so yeah, the whole key is like Sean has Van Helsing's book that his mother, played by Mary Ellen Trainer, who is another Ooh. one of the you know three every mom of the '80s. I mean, yeah. she's the mom in the Goonies. She's the mom in this. She's motherly in uh, in Lethal Weapon. She's in Die Hard. She's all over the place. A lot of Shane Black things, actually. So, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so so he's got... So, Dracula's trying to get Van Helsing's book back that will show him where the amulet is, right? Is that it? Is, is that how they figured it out? Uh, something like that. Or is it, I, or is it how no, to destroy he... the amulet? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be how to destroy it because Dracula found he blew a hole. Oh, how to destroy it? Right, right. Yeah. And like, can we talk about it, the liberal use of dynamite in this movie? <laughs> oh my god, Dracula how kills much... people with dynamite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how much dynamite it's... is uh, just hanging around in this town? Just hanging Guys, around, the like most a Bugs Bunny cartoon. To... The most efficient <laughs> way to get rid of anything in your way is dynamite. I mean, obviously, like, come on, it's brilliant. It's genius. That is been. But Dracula traps a guy in a room and then lights dynamite there to kill him instead of just killing him, like and drinking his blood. Like that's what he does. Again, Shane Black aggressive. Like, like yeah. he does. Yeah, he does, like why not just give Dracula well, a machine gun? Like, and then he throws. So when the when the the dad, um, the cop dad, his he and his partner played by Stan Shaw. Or, you know, come back to the house to confront Dracula, who's now at, at Sean's house. He throws, you know, he throws another stick of dynamite under the car and blows up the uh, the partner in it. Spoiler alert. Right. Um, yeah. That's like more. He's just got dynamite. Just he's just got it. 
There's just so much dynamite. This is insane. <laughs> can I? And then they I blow also... up Wolfman. Go ahead, Brent. I was just going to say, I want to go back a little bit uh, further to the beginning of the movie uh, when they introduced the dad and just mention like what kind of a uh, non-safety-oriented police officer father he is by just having his gun and badge hanging from the, the post on his poster bed as, as his son walks into the room. Just like, uh, not locked up, not safe, just out in the open, just dangling right there for anybody to grab. Yeah, not, yeah. Not smooth, Sign of the man. times. Not smooth. <laughs> gotta, gotta love the 80s. <laughs> it would have been only topped if he had a stick of dynamite with that gun hanging there. Yeah, yeah. that was it. That was in the bat. Yeah. Well, and it's like they, <laughs> and then the Monster Squad has got to figure out how to they to to take care of things, and they're like, well, we got to do it in a public place, as though like that'll stop the monsters. Like, well, where does everyone go? The church. They go to the church in the town square at midnight <laughs> on any given day in the middle of the week. Like, there's no one at church. There's no one there. Like, there's there's literally nobody there. There's two kids in the in the one store. Yeah. Jason Hervey comes back, but like, it's just it, it, again, it's just like sort of just this insulting kind of idea. This like to get from one place to the other. Like, there's no thought. It doesn't matter. Like, which fine if you want to make movies that way, but. I think it's really annoying as an adult to watch this and seeing this. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. <laughs> uh, and what about the uh, creepy German neighbor guy played by Leonardo Cimino? Yeah, uh, the xenophobia of the kids uh, and all that is a little, you know, typical of 80s kids being afraid. <clears throat> Scary yeah. German guy. Don't understand yeah, it's who kinda, he is. Uh, this is... This is like a precursor to Home Alone in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I guess you're right. That guy was American, though, straight up, right? <laughs> He's kind of the... I mean, I think this is all uh, Boo Radley. This I'm character sure. is Boo Radley, right? Like the, the, na- the creepy neighbor no one understands. I think that's where... That's a, He's not the first Yeah. One, uh, and obviously, like, he sort of takes over that Van Helsing role slightly. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. not out like hunting Dracula down, but he's, you know, he's got to trans. He's going to help translate what's in the book to destroy the amulet. But he's uh, he's great in a mini series called V from uh, 1983. If you haven't seen that, check that yeah. out as well. I think uh, um, Duncan Rieger was in the main the main series in '85, wasn't he? Uh, that's right. I think he was. Yeah, crossover. Yeah, Duncan showed up in a number of series that did not uh, go for very long. Another one called Earth Star Voyager, which I loved. But uh, he found he found his way in the I think in the early '90s with that Zaro show that was on the Family Channel for ever. It seemed like I've never watched an episode though. Same. So he ended up okay, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Couple things I liked though that you know now that we're we're kind of really breaking the movie down. I did like with um, with the neighbor, the German guy, that they they had that Holocaust. That's kind of subtle Holocaust reference. So you know he's a Holocaust survivor. So he's he's dealt with real monsters before. So he can he can handle these guys. I, I like that. I thought that was a little dose of reality in there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I also liked how Sean's parents 
you know, you see them arguing, but there's a there's a quick shot of when we cut back to his mother, I think during Dracula's dynamite brawl with with the cop and his partner, uh, where she's actually got bags packed, right? And she's Yeah. Um, bags packed. I yeah, was she like gonna, she's was she leaving ready him? to leave. Was she leaving him? Because yeah, they were fighting earlier like in it. the movie. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like she was gonna walk out on him on this night. <laughs> Yeah, and I think like in a in in the real world, like something like that going on, parents who are having you know marital problems would drive a character like Sean even further into doing this Monster Squad stuff, right? For sure. Yeah. So, I think it was cool. A couple of cool little things that they you know brought in there to to give it some some character development which i could have used more of that i could have would have been nice to see a little bit more about you know the rest of the monster squad and rudy and other than he's just like a horny teenager who you know is is that's why he's with this group but um another callback that they did which i don't know how familiar you guys are with the original frankenstein movie but uh when Frankenstein first sees Phoebe and in the original movie he they have the same scene but he throws the girl you know, the, the little girl's throwing flowers in the in the lake and then he tosses the girl in the lake and she drowns and right. this was like a uh his you know his repentance for that I guess yeah yeah where he, yeah where he where she gets to live this time mm-hmm. and then they become best friends well, I was gonna, I was gonna flash to another scene where, where later on in the movie, you know, after she's introduced uh, Frankenstein to all the other kids, they have this very, uh, I feel like a, a very similar shot to a shot that was in ET, where they're all walking down the street holding the hand of the the monster, which which to me uh, reminded me of the shot in ET during Halloween, where they're like walking down the street with the sun kind of silhouetting them as they're. As they're walking away, you know, yeah, yeah, just hand yeah. in hand. Oh, definitely, just, yeah. Just friends, friends, and friends falling in love, <laughs> being friends. Yeah, That's kind of nice. like us around Halloween time too, frolicking <laughs> and holding hands and walking down the street. Absolutely, anytime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I didn't catch exactly why does Frank the Frankenstein monster turn on Dracula. I think just because he found friendship with the, and he's always been alone, you know, uh, and then these kids take him in, yeah. aren't afraid of him. Yeah. Uh, when he doesn't, think, he doesn't want to be a monster. Well, yeah. Phoebe's not afraid of him. The rest of them are, and she kind of like introduces him to them, and and then then he's one of the squad. Yeah, they have a real, they yeah. have a real monster. He's he's the real muscle. Yeah, I think yeah, I. I don't think they have to do much to to do too much, but I think like at least that makes sense, right? That mm-hmm. this friendship is formed, this bond or whatever, and so when it comes down to it, uh, he's going to sacrifice himself at the end. Which be, the yeah. between between him and Phoebe at the climax, there, I was I was like a little mm-hmm. moved. I'm like, that's pretty great. That was a good moment. It's a tough moment. Yeah. yeah. Any well, you know, any kid like begging desperately for something we'll we'll tug on the heartstrings yeah yeah she was really good i don't know what they had to do to her to, to get her there because since she was like five and you know kids don't yeah five-year-olds aren't great actors you know but uh yeah no it worked out 
It was a great, great scene. Good. The, um, that, that relationship worked. Yeah, that was definitely, that was a good uh, storyline they developed. And another, maybe my favorite thing about the movie in general is the rock until you drop montage. You oh, got to have a montage Lord. in the, in eighties movie. Come on. This is how they prepare. This is how they prepare for the monster battle, which is going to happen in like, tw- like within 12 hours. Like they, I think, or yeah. like within a day. They're it's loading just... up. They're training. Yeah, this is what you got to do. This will pump you right up. Oh my goodness, that was nuts. Then the little kid Eugene writes a very basic letter in crayon to the army, mails yeah. it supposedly, <laughs> to the and, army. and then by by midnight yeah. the, that night, the the army rolls in They're with there. tanks without any idea what's going on. <laughs> like again, like, where's Eugene? Where's Eugene? Kidding. Like again, <laughs> aggressive. In an attempt to be funny, and it's just like, what is it? What is this? This is nonsense. I think yeah. it's funny when you're a kid, like you imagine that you can just like call call the army to come help you. There's bad guys uh, or something, but you know, it obviously would never materialize. But even in the world of the movie, I don't even understand how that happened. <laughs> like nothing makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's another one of those leaps in logic that that we have. Um, I want to just also touch real quick on uh, Stan Winston, uh, his makeup or his, you know, he did all the, you know, makeup special effects for for all the creatures. Another, you know, he's a legend. He's probably the best in the business and uh, another amazing job. I thought he did a good job with the werewolf, too, because that's always a tough, tough one to pull off. Yeah, I like the werewolf design, the like sort of the no neck design of it. This big buff baddie that can't turn his head, and uh, but just it seems very imposing. Yeah, yeah, and I think he did a good job with Frankenstein and and the you know the Gill Man that's there for no reason, and and the Mummy as well, and especially with that you know where we the Mummy kind of comes apart too. That was well done. Yeah, for sure. No, good. It was great, great work with uh, Sam Winston's folks. So at the end, the climactic ending, we get the reappearance of Van Helsing, which I was just like scratching my head at, like, what is he? He's still alive, and did he not? Okay, I so I I don't know. That one just kind of threw me off, and it was kind of a little bit too easy that he just jumps out and pulls Dracula into the portal. Yeah. He'd just been hanging out in limbo in, in his, his, his in-between spot in the portal, waiting for his opportunity. Right? I mean, is yeah. that is that yeah. how it kind of went? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's that's where they were sending all the monsters was to limbo. That's right. Like, yeah. legitimately. So everything's right. paused. Like, he's not alive. You know, it's just, he's just there. And then he can come out the same age as he was. Uh, good thing he was waiting. Good thing he, he was re- ready to go. <laughs> he was right there at the door, just waiting to reach a hand out and grab that guy. Yeah. It's like your mind sucker. Well, there, and there was there was a lot of steps to get there too. The whole thing is they had to get a virgin girl, just like in the opening scene, to read the you know the German you know it's it's written in German in that notebook, which will open the portal, and they've got to be there to send all the monsters back through the portal, at least the ones that were still alive at the end. Right. Um, so yeah, convenient that Van Helsing was there, and then that was the whole, you know, the whole tie-in with uh, with 
the what is it robbie's or not robbie um what was the character's name uh patrick's sister that rudy was spying on why they needed they were trying to figure out if she was a virgin or not so she was going to translate the german to open the portal but nothing happens when she does it and she you know we realize she's not a virgin right it doesn't so they count. end up having phoebe do it it didn't count yeah right <laughs> They had the answer the whole time. Yeah, the kid. Well, yeah. Yeah, Phoebe was there. They just use her. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That and I, there's a lot of. Uh, I don't. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. This. This is. In researching this, though, I mean, are we talk? Are we going to talk about like sort of the, the cult following and like the real mega fans of this thing and. Have you? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, at this point, so we'll talk Hold a little on. box office here. Well, real, go ahead, real, Brent. Well, real quick before we jump into that, I know we talked about Horace for a second, but did we talk about the actor who played Horace, Brent Chalem? Have I, I don't know that we really uh, talked about. No, him. we did not. So no. I, I don't want I don't want to depress the topic here, but I do want to kind of mention this. But you know, he passed away in 1997 of of pneumonia, right? Yeah. Well, I was kind of a big fan of Brent's, right? Like, so as a young kid, like, you know, he had, his name was Brent. I was Brent. So, uh, you know, he had been in a bunch of like kind of small roles that I liked as a kid. So things like Punky Brewster and Mr. Belvedere, like Quantum yeah. Leap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So back when I was like a little kid growing up in Texas, I knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to work in movies. And uh, at the time I thought I wanted to be an actor, but you know, I don't have the chops for that. But uh being kind of like a little chubby kid myself, I, I like was kind of a big fan of Brent's because, you know, I'd see him in these roles and I'd be like, oh man, if I lived in California, I could be an actor too, right? And uh, so, you know, uh, all that and the fact that he was like in Punky Brewster, you know, was uh, who for sure <laughs> was officially like my first crush. <laughs> uh, yeah. Brent was kind of yeah, sure. Brent was kind of an idol an idol of mine back in the day, and so. Uh, I was certainly shocked to hear that when he died and and passed away, because obviously, you know, as I was growing up, I kind of lost track of whatever he was doing with his career. Uh, but yeah. I definitely wanted to kind of like give him a shout out because, uh, you know, yeah. uh, as a as a kid growing up kind of far away from Hollywood, uh, you know, like I have a lot of fond memories of like him and uh, what he was doing. And so, you know, I think he was a total badass. So I just kind of wanted to shout that out before we kind of skipped on to the next thing and make sure that we kind of yeah. paid respect uh, to him. So that's all. But yeah, go Brent. Well, I appreciate. Yeah, that. he he was cool, and he was he 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 appeared in a lot of things in the you know his relatively short career, but he was he was kind of all over TV for sure. Oh yeah, and, and I was surprised too. I I didn't realize he had passed away, and that's uh, you know sad. And I and it was tough for a lot of the cast in their in their reunions and get togethers that they've done over time and it was it was tough uh you know with him not being there yeah for sure you know i just like i mean it was like 10 years after after monster monster squad uh had been Mm -hmm. done you know he'd like it was just kind of like you know he got sick and and passed away and you know, I mean, it's just like kind of a bummer. I mean, he was totally out of acting and stuff by this point. Like he had gone on to like law school and stuff. But, you know, like, yeah, I know we I know we talked about, you know, Horace and, and kind of like, you know, the fat kid and kind of the language and stuff that was used like in the bullying. But like, 
he was a he was like a legit young actor like in a bunch of different things and a bunch of different things that i saw as a kid who like honestly like helped form my my whole like desire to want to like come out and do this kind of stuff for a living and you know i mean he's a small part of it but he's definitely one that i look back on and i can distinctly remember like seeing him and stuff and being like wow dude like he's kind of a chubby kid i'm a chubby kid we both have the same first name like i could totally do this let's go man and uh-huh, so cool. like yeah i definitely didn't want to breeze past all that no that makes sense it, like it's funny when you like even as the years go by and everything and then you like pop in an old movie or you sh- watch a show and then you realize like there's like this one random person that like was perennially like in your your orbit like someone that you've like glommed on to yeah. that you're like oh i love seeing this person in in whatever like i like and they always when that person always pops up so we have, there's always a, those couple of people who are like more maybe obscure or at least just like under the radar types but like as someone who watches a lot of things and you notice the pattern like oh this person keeps popping up in things they're not stars but like you do feel like influenced by them or just like someone to look up to and like, or something like that. And like, yeah, he, um, Brent was that for you. That's kind of amazing. Absolutely. This, yeah. This movie is, yeah. hundred percent. He was one of, he was one of those guys for me for sure. So oh, I love that. That's yeah. a great, that's a great that's, story. That's really awesome. Yeah. So box office, what's up? Yeah. So, well, and it's funny cause well, just going back to what you're talking about, Brent, you know, the rest of the cast too, you know, all familiar faces, but all also kind of faded away and didn't, you know, the rest of them didn't really do much else either that I can, at least that jumps out in the top of my head. I think Ryan Lambert was in Kids Incorporated, I believe that I remember him from that, but um, yeah, I don't well, know. The rest of the kids. Uh, yeah, as far as acting goes, I think Andre Andre Gower is he's the guy who played Sean, right? Yeah. He, yes. Yeah. He mo- more recently, I know he just like did a documentary about the making of this movie. I think uh, it's called I think it's called Wolfman's Got Nards. Honestly, yeah. I think that's what it's yep. called. I, I'd have to fact check that, but but I know he's been doing that. Like there was a whole resurgence of popularity in this. Uh, for this movie that, you know, was, uh, I don't know, a few years back when it hit its 20th anniversary, you know, there was some stuff uh, that yeah. they did down at like down in Texas at the Alamo draft house and all this stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, like they, they did a bunch of special screenings and it really kind of like brought this back into a cult kind of, kind of um, phenomenon, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, the movie, you know, the movie comes out, they're preparing for it to be a big, you know, a big uh, movie, big summer movie, but uh, they had a $12 million budget, but it, it completely fails at the box office. I mean, opening weekend, it made $1.9 million. Worldwide, it had, it made three point seven. So, yeah, not good at all. Um yeah, it's, oh, it's a rough. tough year. There's a lot of big movies opening. Uh, it was released August 14th, 1987. It came out against uh, Can't Buy Me Love and No Way Out. So uh, Can't Buy Me Love wasn't necessarily a big movie, but it did well. Uh, no Way Out, you know, it's Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, who we've talked about before on the show. Um, uh, number one that weekend was Stakeout. Number two was James Bond with uh, Living Daylight. So... 
tough, uh, you know, it's a real tough, uh, you know, competition there. I don't know why they didn't release it in October of that year. Oh, my God. So it would have been perfect. That would make more sense. Right at the end of summer with all these other movies that have been out and people are watching and seeing. And then, you know, it's back to school time. There's all these great, all these great movies with tons of stars in them that were also family friendly. Who wants to go see a Dracula movie or, you know, what I'm sure, I don't know, a kid's fighting Dracula yeah. movie. It's just, I think it was bad positioning. Probably could have had some legs in, uh, in the fall. That's a, that's a bummer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. That, that yeah. Been a much smaller I think they, they, yeah, they. I mean, they sort of killed it. TriStar sort of killed it by where it placed it. I mean, there's no reason it should have come out in August. It just doesn't make sense to me. But so you know, the movie tanks. They they immediately halt any any marketing things and merchandising that they had. Uh, you know, the wheels moving completely stopped that, and the movie essentially vanished. I mean, it was on home video. And for, you know, by it was playing on cable and stuff up until like 1990, 91. And then it was just gone. It was the movie was out of print. And at that time, it was if a movie was out of print, like you couldn't get it. Like there was nowhere. There were no DVDs yet. It was just VHS. And you had to have it like you had to pay like $100 to have them like make one for you. (laughs) It was it was crazy. It was just like you didn't hear a word about it. Uh, that's I don't know until and, and, until yeah. when until what until what happened until I think really like what Brent said until about the twentieth anniversary in two thousand seven is is they they did you know DVDs were were such a, you know huge source of income through the two thousands that you know they were putting everything on DVD so they did make a big I think it was a two DVD set with with. Um, yeah. Uh, you know 20th anniversary release and and they put all the like commentaries and i think they did also did a documentary on that before andre gower did the one that he directed right but um so and then that that's where it kind of fell back on my radar and i hadn't thought of it in years and years and and that was like when uh i finally rewatched it after all that time yeah yeah, and I mean, I guess with his with uh, Andre's documentary, which I'm like, it was in a bunch of festivals in 2018, and and I'm I'm, I'm assuming it just has a, like a screening with the movie, uh, and and it's taken around town and like toured because like I'm just surprised they don't even have like a a five dollar like Vimeo streaming of that documentary. Like you can't you can't see it unless it comes to your town. Yeah. I think because um, oh, is that right? Is that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, That's true I, I went that... to their I w- went to their main website for it. I can't find any way to watch it, and it seems like all events have been paused um, for now. So, like if, at this point, it's not touring. Um, but I have to. Ch- I haven't checked the website in a while. But I mean, who knows? Like, I feel like it's it's kept in a very like specific vault. I think for the this like this t- like the touring that they do. Um, with it because I guess there's that there is a rabid fan base you know very very niche fan base for this film and yeah. that documentary um, to to see that which I'm sure that it uh, so I was intrigued I would have I would have watched the documentary because I don't have the DVD I don't have any of the extras I don't know anything really beyond the film itself so, yeah um, yeah it's uh and i mean i'm like listen everyone should like what they like and not apologize for it so i'm happy that like 
people love this movie and adore it and in in the way they do i mean honestly I, I i have to say that like i don't care for this thing at all <laughs> like um but that's just you know i like i guess i liked it as a kid like it was fine but i i don't i don't unless you have unless you're locking on to something very specific about what that movie did to you when you were like eight years old um i don't you know i don't get it so like but like i think you both have those kinds of stories where this like locks in for you on a certain level um but I don't, you know, I don't know how much you love it necessarily, but you certainly have a, a, a respect for it in our conversation here. Yeah, I think that's right. Like, I, I mean, for me, at least, like, I, I, I mean, I still do enjoy this movie, like rewatching it uh, for this podcast. I, you know, language aside, like I still found it to be really f- fun, you know, but but mm-hmm. also I think a lot of that is based on nostalgia and you know just like i mean because this goes you know i used to watch horror movies with my mother as well and you know like some of these old universal uh monsters were the ones that you know like she that kind of started our our you know watching horror movies together you know i'd watch the old black and white universal ones with her and you know like we'd watch Mm -hmm. other movies as well but like you know it's like all kind of tied together so this movie holds up for me in that regard. Like it kind of reminds me of all those moments that I had with my mom and, you know, like kind of where I was and, and kind of what drove part, obviously, like I just said, part uh, earlier parts of it uh, helped drive me to, to want to work in the industry and, and be where I am now. And so for that, like, I definitely, like it still holds a really kind of big place in my heart. But yeah, I think if I were to see it, for the first time now, like, you know, it, it's, it doesn't play right. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely just a different type of movie than the type, than the kinds of movies that are being made these days. And so, you know, like, I don't know how it holds up, but for me, it works. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, a, a, I wouldn't say a staple of the 80s, but the movie is really locked into the 80s. I mean, it, it's not one... Like, I, I think the people that love it are the ones who love it for nostalgia. I don't think the movie's finding a new audience in 2020. I don't think you could really or should really show this movie to kids today. I don't, you know, I think the language will be a real big holdback. Um, you know, how they treat girls in it. Uh, you know, they're, the, they're, it, women are either treated as a sex object um, or... You know they're really kind of mean to Phoebe the whole time, and she's right. the one that ends up like helping them. Um, and I think also these characters, the 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 Universal uh, horror characters, I don't I don't think people identify with those anymore. I think I, I think throughout time, I think the Freddies and the Jasons and the Michael Myers who have been able to kind of come back more often have replaced those characters in a sense. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't think a yeah. modern audience is, has enough to latch into to really fall in love with this movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you saw it. I mean, just recently, Tom Cruise trying to reboot. You know, Universal was trying to make a monster universe. You know, like Marvel and DC and all this other stuff. And Tom Cruise makes the Mummy, and it gets just like totally panned. Like it does horrible, right? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I yep. mean, more recently, Invisible Man came out. They totally re they went back to the drawing board trying to figure out how to do that. And invisible man is actually highly entertaining 
you know if, oh, if you guys haven't seen it definitely check it out but but like right. you know the that... mummy was a complete miss yeah i didn't see the yeah. mummy is this invisible man technically in that mummy universe or is it just they're just doing the invisible man again and doing it well it's it's part of the universal it's part of the universal like horror family right so yeah i know. guess uh yeah. i believe yeah a few years back the like the when they were making the mummy and like the, there were plans and it was like the universal monster cinematic universe was at once like the most grotesque and but also amazing phrase i could think of <laughs> like that's yeah. what that's what was written in an article i'm like that is this is just so many things all at once like okay and then yeah, yeah that mummy I mean, man yeah. i didn't see it but i don't see why anyone would have seen it based off that trailer i mean it had a it had a very like no. league league of extraordinary gentlemen type like spin yeah. to it that they were trying to do that's just you know like it's just not where people you know i don't think it's where audiences are really flocking to at this point i think i think invisible man's done much uh in a much better way and it plays a lot better and i think from the reviews and you know, obviously the the praise that it's getting compared to the mummy, like it kind of kind of proves it. But yeah, yeah, it was a miss for sure. Hmm. I've uh, I've heard people say that um, this movie holds up better than the Goonies does, and I don't think uh, I don't agree with that. I, I think that's I actually I, I don't really. Yeah, I don't really get why. I don't know. I guess like if you didn't see the Goonies as a kid, then maybe if you're seeing it for the first time as an adult, maybe you wouldn't gravitate to it. But I think the Goonies is just uh, I think the Goonies is really strong. And again, we'll we'll cover that movie as well. This one just has enough working against it and and that ages it that um, so it doesn't really work in 2020. But I still have a fun time. Like I had a fun time watching it. Sure. But as I think a lot of people would our age, you know, but most of that was nostalgia based. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking to that thinks that this holds up better than the Goonies, but you need to quit all. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Did they see the both as quit, kids? Like, yeah. Quit all correspondence with that person. They're doing no good in their life. <laughs> it really could come down to when they it's, saw uh, each movie. Like, I don't know. That's that's a weird comparison. The, that doesn't yeah. make sense. Like, I could see if a, an adult today it's watched a big, both. It, and had never seen them. They could basically see Goonies as a little boring, and uh, Monster Squad is just sort of like l- just a lesser version of it. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But I think Goonies at least has some sustainability. Maybe at least the the kids are treated like actual characters a little bit, and you know, right? Of course, it's got. Well, there's a lot problems, less. But, but yeah, but there's a lot a less of them. I mean, you, that's where. That's where you have a guy like Steven Spielberg helping, you know, helping to work through a lot of that stuff. So, and, and you know, Chris Columbus as a writer was obviously family friendly. So, yeah, the Goonies is not confused about what it's trying to do. Like, it's an adventure movie, you know, like it's an adventure yeah. story about kids that are going to find buried treasure. And and basically, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like it's not over complicated but it's like it's very well told and it's uh, you know like i don't i don't know you know this movie is fun but like it's got a lot more holes and and it's you know like i think it's a little confused about what it's trying to do like 
what angle it is. Like to me, it's a clear like attempt at trying to grab cash the same way that movies like the Goonies and stand by me and those movies did. But you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a knockoff, you know, like Goonies Mm -hmm. and, and, and like, that's, you know, I I don't know. I I mean, obviously it's one person's opinion, but uh, yeah, no, I I see what you're saying though. I, yeah. I think I think at the very the screenplays are very different. I think Goonies is a much tighter screenplay. It makes it has perfect yeah. arcs. No, understands what it's doing. This has all like you said. There's just too many holes. There's too many problems with Monster Squad as a script. At least what we see on film. At least we see in the finished product that like I don't I don't see how there's a comparison. It may not be compelling for maybe a, a certain audience or whatever. But you can't deny that the screenplay of the Goonies is way better than Monster Squad. And I don't think Monster Squad was trying to be like this big thing. I think the way I think no. what I read, Decker and Black were just like, let's just have fun doing like kids fighting monsters. Like, we're just going to screw around. Like, OK, I mean, yeah. do it. Do yeah. It and, I, and, I, and I think they achieved that goal. I mean, I think I think it, you know. <clears throat> again especially for our age group like that it is fun and i think you can have a good time with it of course there are you know a lot of problematic things that come with it from from back then but uh i don't know i also think that the the fact that this movie was like missing in action for 20 years almost um well, right helped it you know i think it helped build its cult status and people remembered it and you know, but couldn't find it. So finally, when it came out, it gave it that second life. And now we're in this place with it of, okay, it's gotten its second life, but does it, can it, you know, what are its, the legs of that second life? Like how, how far can that take it? And I think it kind of reached that point where it's okay. I think the people who are going to like this movie have seen it and liked it. And maybe that's kind of the end of its, you know, the, the cult status of it. Right. Yeah. It's that cliche you, ass old saying, you know, absent a, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like, right. that's mm-hmm. that's that. You know. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It it, yeah. it means it's I've I mean I think we all kind of had that one story like we saw something on TV, we really liked it, we never saw it again, we can't think of the name of it, we don't know who was really in it, we remember sort of what happens, and we're like I want to see that again, and then if you happen to find it, yeah, you're like oh this was the thing I've been thinking about for 20 years. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and monster yeah, squad, exactly. like, I think you're right. Like it's not going to find generational new generations of fans at the, at the very least it might find other adults who have never seen it. That other adults might be like, yeah, I grew up in the eighties. This kind of reminds me of that. I'm kind of cool with that. And then become part of that little fandom. But yeah, there's no universal universality, universality, whatever university uh to it <laughs> uh i think that 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 would like bring in uh, new people so yeah like th- this will die with the millennials uh this movie will die with the millennials yeah probably so what do you think what do you guys think out of uh if we wanted to rate it out of our our 13 jack burtons uh how many jack burtons would you give it david what do you think i'm going to go I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, for me, two and a half Jack Burtons. Two and no, a half. Three, wow. three and a half. Okay. That's, three and a half. Three that's and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half. Um, okay. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, I'm, I was more thinking like seven. I'd give it like seven. Seven and a half. Go nuts. Be a seven. Have it. 
I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think I would lean more of uh, where Brent's going. I would say, you know, I was going to say seven, but then I think about rock until you drop. So that bumps it up to like an eight for me. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So that, that montage carries a lot of weight. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to say eight. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I think they achieved their goal of having, uh, making a fun movie. Um, uh, there's a lot that works against it. There's, you know, some plot holes and stuff they kind of just barely touch on or leap over, and then some of the dialogue really works against it. But uh, I do think it is is I think it, it's got a sense of fun too. Sure. Yeah. yeah it's it, yeah. it can be fun. Yeah. Eh, you know. There's just it's if we're rating it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe with that montage, I have to put it at a three. Then I don't know. Three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> okay. Enjoy it. Three and a half. Like. That's fine. I feel like, pretty secure like... with my with John. my seven and a half. I'm I'm good. So John, yeah. you would watch this like <laughs> you'd watch this again in the future for fun. Like I could Uh you... yeah, maybe I mean not right not anytime soon, but yeah, another ten years down the road, I'd probably throw this on again. <laughs> You're gonna be in your fifties I... and like Monster Squad, this is a good one. I'm going to pop this in. I agree with that, though. Like, I mean, I think once every 10 years is probably right around where this one lives. That's fair. You know, yeah. In the, in, the, in the rewatchability. Yeah. All right. Totally. Totally. Well, you let me know um, how it goes. Yeah, so good. So <laughs> I'll call you after we'll I do watch it. We'll <laughs> reconvene 10 years from now. Yeah. We'll look back. We'll have a retrospective on this episode. So it'll be perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, if, if um, yeah, if so that's of kind you, of. Oh, sorry, if any of you hear about the documentary, though, if it beca- opens up, I actually would be interested to see that because I'm more intrigued by how the people that did it, so then, how they see it, like how the actors see it. Like I'm sure, like Andre Gower must look at some of those line deliveries he did and was like, and it's just like, yep, that's me sucking, <laughs> like not sucking, but just like <laughs> some some of those line readings were so bizarre to me, and I'm like. I feel like he wasn't given enough direction. Like he's a charming leader of this monster squad, but like there's certain well, I mean, times I'm like, I, th- I didn't get it. Like a lot of weird choices that, you know, and yeah. For, well, for and you, and you I mean, you, you touched on it earlier, you know, it's hard to find kid actors who can actually act. Right. So like yeah. to, to get a bunch of them, you know, that's another reason that I think that Goonies is superior is like the, the acting from the, from the kids is like, way more on point i feel like at least i mean i've seen that movie recently mm-hmm. and i stand by that but you know like maybe I'm yeah blowing, blowing i agree smoke, I, yeah oh sure but uh you know yeah i'm I mean, just intrigued yeah, yeah how, i think but, I, that makes sense yeah i'm intrigued about how the people who love it today or made it how they feel about it understanding whatever whatever context they look at it now like well, this is just something we can love together, and I think that I think that at the core of it, like, I'm all about that. Like, if there's a fandom, if there's like a a, a group that love this, that that there are things that mean something. I saw in the trailer for the for that documentary, people were a couple of narr- narrations were just like how the movie helped them through certain times and this and that. Yeah. Or Brent, you have your thing about this film. You would fit yeah, right yeah, in yeah. with the fandom. Like, if you were to like go to a screening, I'm sure you'd be. Like in a good like be great for you. Like I think that's awesome. Oh, I, I would actually I would actually love to go see this with an audience of fans, you know, like 
I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, like I, I, I bet don't it think, would boost. I don't it think it's a bunch. Goonies, but it's it's like, I'd still like I said, I think it's a fun movie. I think it'd be pretty rad to go see it with a, with a group. For I'll sure. have to take a look. Yeah, keep and your eyes open. I would guys. definitely see this movie with Andre, an audience for sure. I'll hunt Andre Gower down and ask him if he can, you know, give me a screening of his documentary. Yeah, I'm give pretty us, sure give he's us a LA. I'm sure he's an LA guy. I'm sure uh, he is. Yeah, he's so. got to be around here somewhere. Get, we'll give call him, a call. him up. Get one of the interns. All yeah. my interns, all my interns have gone home for the night, but you guys get one of the interns on it. Come on. You let them go out at night? It's, you got to work them around the clock. It's the spooktacular. You're letting them go home at night? They should only go <laughs> uh, home during right. the day when it's safe. Uh, you work in the Voorhees Institute. You know what's going on. The, Vor- the Voorhees Institute is obviously uh, a much more kinder and gentler uh, institute <laughs> than, than reconsinimation proper. <laughs> I care for the, the lab should be open all night. The lab right. should be that's when you work on these projects. These scientific projects happen overnight. They don't happen during the day, bro. All the all the yeah, discoveries, all the scary things, it's night. You can't let them yeah. go home. Yeah, no good science discovery's been yeah. found during daylight hours. You're right. I've failed. <laughs> that's true. Who cures yeah. cancer after lunch? No, it'll happen at 3 a.m. Nobody. With <laughs> lightning strike. Yeah. That's what's gonna must happen. Must be where numbers are down. Lightning. Sorry, guys. <laughs> One scientist in the lab. And he goes, yeah. Eureka! I've got it! And then a, and then a gremlin comes out. Yeah. <laughs> we should wrap this up. We've been talking about Monster Squad. We've got our, uh, you know, Shane Black and Fred Decker movies in the books now. And we've yep. got uh, uh, a couple more to go this month as we get closer and closer to Halloween. And some fun episodes that I'm I'm really looking forward to to both of them that we're gonna do. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, you always can check us out on our social media, uh, Reconcinimation Podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Friendster and MySpace and and I don't know whatever else is out there. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, give us a check us out there on Apple Podcasts. You can always go through our, our library. We've got a ton of stuff in there, a lot of fun. And uh, check out that and give us a rating and review. And uh, I just want to say a quick thank you to our friends, as always, E.K. Wimmer for the theme song. Check his podcast out, Laser Graves, and our friend Curtis for the lovely artwork as he does every episode. And uh, I had a fun time talking about Monster Squad, guys. Yeah, that was good. That was a good time. It's great. I haven't talked that much about this movie ever, but here we did it. It's about time. I mean, you know, 40 years later, we're good. 30 years later. (laughs) Yeah, it's time. time, The time was ripe. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we did it. Much to David's chagrin, we did it. We got it. We got it done. <laughs> I feel like if we do Schindler's List, we're well, going to come 20 minutes under the Monster Squad episode. <laughs> <laughs> like somehow we just kind of blow through oh, Schindler's funny. List. <laughs> we wrap it up in a Well, we'll have to find minutes. out because that's what we're covering next time on Reconsider. Oh, no, we're not. No, no, no. no. Not yeah. during the Spooktacular. <laughs> no. No, no. It'll be it's a different kind spooky. of horror movie. So yeah, other, other uh, kind of but yeah, so <laughs> uh, stay tuned. We're going to have our uh, next episode coming out very soon. 
And uh, we're looking forward. Brent, of course, we're looking forward to having you back here next uh, next time. Yeah. Thanks, Absolutely. Brent. Anytime and every time you guys will open up the doors, I'm here. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll have our we'll post our next episode soon. We'll see you on the next episode of Reconsinimation. I want to say episode a couple more times. Episode. Episode. <laughs> Bye right. now. Thanks, everybody. This is me by myself waiting for the phone call. Johnny, are you editing this? Are you editing this? Are you editing this? Are you editing this? Oh, that's you. Hello.